Thank you, Bob, and thank you to Dr. Ben for many faithful years of uh, service. And, uh, you know, there's always a handful of people that just kind of stand out in our minds as spiritual heroes, and Dr. Ben is definitely one of those individuals that have, has given his time and his gifts, his ability, uh, his money, uh, so many things, all for the advancement of God's kingdom and all for God's glory. And so we really are uh, blessed to have known you, Dr. Ben, or we still know you. We're not, this isn't your funeral service, uh, but, <laughs> but we do want to honor you and recognize you uh, for, for your continued faithful service to the Lord. So once more, let's just give God glory for Dr. Ben. Today is a hot one out there. Uh, yesterday was worse. Uh, my son had a, a baseball game. I was sitting on the bleachers sweating to death. He's out there running around. Uh, but uh, welcome to July, right? Actually, welcome to mid-May in Southern California. Uh, but I don't know what, uh, if you're like me. I prefer the cool weather. But you know what it's like on a hot day where you get flush and you're sweaty and, uh, and it just zaps all your energy and strength and you're worn out. Now, what I love to do on that day is uh, I've got a deal with my neighbor on, uh, on the opposite side of the back fence. I've got a ladder that that's, goes over this fence. The deal is he gets to pick as many of, his av- of my avocados. I got like five trees, avocado trees on my back wall. He can take and he can pick as many avocados as he wants because he loves those. But I get to use his pool. And uh, so I know what it's like on a hot, hot day where you're all sweaty and you have no energy and all of a sudden you jump in the pool and it's like, woo! You just get that rush of energy, right? It cools you off in a second. And and, uh, and a cool pool on a hot day can refresh you like no other. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, I love doing that. It feels so good. Now... I bring that up because I want to uh, use this as an analogy, uh, introducing our, serv- our sermon today, which is called Refreshing Prayer. And what if prayer was for our souls like a pool is to our bodies on a hot day? What if when we went before the Lord in prayer, that we, that we are that we receive that kind of re, that we were, we were re-energized, that the hot burdens of life we could just kind of wash away in a moment, that we, that we receive that new vigor for life, that we were refreshed by the Lord. And we talk about this refreshing in terms of receiving that from the Lord in prayer. And so today's sermon is around not only the topic of refreshment, but being refreshed while we spend time in prayer. So how are you doing in terms of refreshing prayer? First of all, how are you doing in in terms of praying to the Lord? Do you feel like you are connecting to God through prayer? Do you feel like when you pray that there is a sense of God's energy, God's filling, God's refreshment as you spend time with Him. 
Today we're continuing our sermon series, Life Together and Life Apart. And Life Together and Life Apart has an aspect of refreshing prayer. There is the apartness where we are called to regularly go before the Lord and prayer ourselves. And then we come together as a church, and Jesus challenged uh, his followers at the end of his life when he stormed the temple, reminded them that we are to be a house of prayer Defined by more than anything else, we as a people are called to gather together to pray. More than our programs, more than our facilities, more than anything else, we are to be people of prayer. So today, as we uh, continue this series, as we look forward to Pentecost Sunday, uh, we are considering what does it mean, that, uh, what would it mean for us to be refreshed by prayer? Now, as we said, we're looking forward to June 5th, which is Pentecost Sunday as we go through this series. And I found it interesting to know, and this is, these are not the main texts, but I just want to ground us in this idea of refreshing prayer with one verse that uh, happens right before Pentecost in Acts 2 and one verse that comes right after it. So first of all, Acts 1, verse 4 says, Jesus says to his disciples and, and, uh, and those followers of him, men and women together, he said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard about. And so he says, uh, wait for the Holy Spirit. And there, here, here is this life apart uh, aspect. The disciples were called to go into the upper room and to wait. In preparation for this sermon, I, I listened to one preacher who, uh, who looked at this verse and he said the disciples were up there, they were agonizing in prayer and, uh, and looking, uh, uh, pleading with God for the Holy Spirit. I don't see that anywhere in this passage. We see the, the disciples uh, in prayer, but they're waiting upon the Lord. They're resting in Him. They're, uh, they're waiting for his empowerment. And now one verse after uh, the Pentecost story, Acts 3.19, sa- Peter says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Here we have the idea of refreshment. There is a waiting upon the Lord. There is a being in his presence there is an idea of prayer that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And so that's what we're talking about this morning, uh, uh, a a refreshing prayer. Let's go before the Lord and, and pray right now. Father God, as we turn our attention to your word, God, I pray that you would speak to us. And I know that there are several people right here in this room right now that they come this morning and, and there is some thirstiness in their souls. They, uh, they long to be filled up by your Spirit, to be refreshed by you. God, the reality is we live in a, in a world that drains us. It takes it out of us. There's so much conflict. There's so much anxiety. There's so much pressure. There's relationships that are draining And God, this morning we come before you in prayer right now and ask that you would refresh us and that you would equip us to regularly be refreshed. 
as we are a church of prayer, as we are people of prayer. God, we pray that your Holy Spirit, we wait upon your Holy Spirit as the early church did. We wait upon your Holy Spirit to come and to have your way among us. And we ask that you would do it. Be our teacher now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What we're going to focus on this morning in terms of looking at this idea of refreshing prayer is an example from Jesus' life. In fact, I'm going to try to point out from the scriptures that Jesus regularly had times of prayer and that he was refreshed and and strengthened and guided by the Holy Spirit. It's It's a recurring activity in his life. But we're going to ground it in one particular example in Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 44. And uh, the reason I picked out this passage is because not only does Jesus practice this, but he seeks to, to, um, to uh, impress upon his disciples that they learn this lesson as well. Uh, he's going to give them, he's going to tell them, hey, Let's go away to a quiet place. They've been involved in the busyness of life and ministry, and and he's going to pull them aside, just as he did all the time himself. But he impresses upon them that this is to be a practice for all of us who are are followers of Jesus. Mark 6, verses uh, 30 through 44. The disciples gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Now, that's kind of the key word there uh, in, uh, for this sermon, rest. I looked this up. It could be uh, translated refreshment. Come away uh, to a quiet place and get some refreshment. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day. So the disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that, we, so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the, gra- on the green grass. So they, so they sat down in groups of, 50, of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and, and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. So we assume if there was 5,000 men, there was probably just as many women and more children 
This was a, a spectacular miracle. Now today, for our purposes, we're not going to really focus on the miracle so much itself. Uh, we're going to focus on the fact that Jesus called them to get away and be refreshed. And then we see them coming together. And again, as they come together, Jesus prays over the food. And, uh, and all of this is grounded in Jesus' compassion for his people. So this is, this is, these are the areas that we're going to focus on. Now when, Je- now, when the disciples come to Jesus and he says, come away by yourselves to a quiet place that we may get some rest, it doesn't seem that the disciples are at the end of their rope. They're not completely burned out. They haven't uh, uh, run out of steam and just like, I can't go on anymore. In fact, what we see, that they're gathered around Jesus. Kind of like children gather around someone when uh, someone's doing a magic trick. Like they're all there just wanting to, to see what's going on. They're there reporting what they have done. And it seems that they're filled with joy. They talk about how they've uh, done miracles, how they've cast out demons, how they've, uh, they've shared with people about God's love and they've come to faith in Him. They've healed people. This is very exciting things. And they're, they're bubbling over. And yet Jesus still found it necessary to tell them, in the midst of their excitement, in the midst of all that was going on, tell them, come away with me. Let's get some rest. You see, refreshing prayer isn't something we do just when we have no other place to turn. When we've run out of gas, when we're frazzled, when we're overwhelmed. Refreshing prayer should be a regular part of our lives. A part of the daily rhythm of our lives. When we read through the Gospels, one of the most common things we see Jesus doing is getting away to be with his heavenly Father. Mark 1.12 says, At once the Spirit sent Jesus out into the desert, and he was in the desert forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels attended him. Before Jesus started his earthly ministry, he took forty days to fast and pray, because he knew he would need uh, God's direction, God's strength. He, he spent time with his heavenly Father. Mark 1.35, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went to a solitary place where he prayed. Very early in the morning, before anyone else was up, Jesus was off to a solitary place to pray. Mark 1.45, News about him spread all the more. Uh, so that crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. You get the vision, you get the picture of what's taking place here? Over and over and over again, Jesus withdraws from the crowds so that he can spend time alone with his Father to pray. Luke 6, 12 and 13, Jesus went up onto the mountainside to pray. And spent the night praying with, to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him. Spent the whole night in prayer. Matthew 14, 13. When Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been beheaded, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. 
Now here we see Jesus in a bad spot emotionally. His cousin, his good friend, John the Baptist, has been killed. And his first reaction is, let me get away and be with my father. He withdraws to a solitary place. Mark, or I mean Matthew 14, 23. After Jesus had dismissed the crowds, he went up on a mountainside to, uh, by himself to pray. When evening came, he was still there alone, an extended time with God. Luke 9, 18. Once when Jesus was praying in private, his disciples were with him. He asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? Isn't it interesting that while Jesus was praying, a question popped into his mind? Sometimes you're with someone and you, you want to know what to say. Uh, uh, G, God uh, guides us and directs us when we are spending time with him. I hope you're not getting bored by all of these, but I just go through this because it gives us a vision uh, for what our lives could be like in, in prayer. Two more. Mark uh, 9, 2, uh, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up to a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. And lastly, Mark 14, 32. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. Before he went to the cross, he went to spend time with his father. And in other gospels, we're told that Jesus encouraged uh, Matthew, uh, he encouraged uh, John, James, and Peter who were with him to pray also that they might not fall into temptation. And, uh, and he encourages his disciples to pray. And while he prays, he is strengthened uh, for the cross. Now, have you ever wondered how did uh, Judas know where to find Jesus on the night when he was betrayed? Judas had left Jesus in the upper room with the other disciples, and, yet, and he went to the, uh, to the priests and uh, and he says, I'm going to lead you to where he will be at. And he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. How did he know he would be there? Because this was his regular pattern. This was his regular habit. He oftentimes withdrew to lonely places to pray. Now the disciples are gathered around Jesus and they're reporting to him in Mark 6 all that they've done, all of these spectacular things. But we never see one place in the Gospels that the disciples ask him to Teach him to do miracles or teach him to heal someone or to drive out demons. The one thing that when they watch the life of Jesus that they're motivated to ask him to do is they say, teach us to pray. Luke 11.1, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he had finished, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. You see, when they watched Jesus they saw a, a type of prayer that they themselves were not experiencing. Surely they knew how to pray, but what they're saying is, Lord, teach us to pray like you pray. There's something spectacular about this. We notice that when you go before the Father, that you come away and you're refreshed. You're, you've received the guidance you need. You re, you've received the, the energy and the, and the strength, strength that you need. God, teach us to pray like you prayed. What would it look like for you and I to pray like Jesus prayed? What would that look like uh, for us to find time regularly to spend time with our Father 
where God would guide us and strengthen us and refresh us like this. This past week, um, uh, Dawson needed a new pair of uh, shoes. And so he's really been, he's, you know, he's, he's into baseball right now. And so he's been wanting a pair of turf shoes, which are a specific type of uh, shoes, you know, baseball shoes you can go to batting practice with and stuff. And I thought, uh, Dawson, you, you just need a regular pair of shoes. Turf shoes are going to like cost me 70 bucks. Uh, we're not going to get you turf shoes. But he's had his heart set on it. So I, I finally broke down. I said, okay, uh, we're go- we'll go to the sporting goods store and we'll buy you a pair of uh, turf shoes. And so Dawson and Kinsey and I are in the car and we're driving uh, to, the, to the sporting goods store. And as we are on our way, uh, we pass the Goodwill. And I just had this feeling in my heart, go to the Goodwill. And so we're like one block past the Goodwill, then two blocks, and I finally break down. I said, hey guys, I feel like God's telling us to go to the Goodwill. And so like, we don't want to go to the Goodwill. Uh, I want new shoes, Dad. Uh, But we said, we're going to go to the Goodwill and we're going to see what we find. So we yui it and we head back to the the Goodwill. And uh, we're looking through the the stuff, and Dawson finds a good pair of shoes, just regular shoes he could wear to school. He says, and I say, okay, Dawson, you can get those. And, uh, but just to be fair, uh, these shoes don't cost that much. Uh, Kinsey, you can pick out a pair of shoes. She gets a shoes, and, uh, and I'm helping her try on shoes, and, Dad, and Dawson comes and says, Dad, look what I found. Turf shoes in my size, brand new. I was like, oh my word, that's amazing. I didn't think we'd find him at the sporting goods uh, store. And he's got his turf shoes. And now I'm really in a good mood. Kinsey comes and says, "Uh, Dad, can I get this dress? Sure, get the dress. Can I get this stuffed animal? Sure, get the stuffed animal. We're getting stuff off the shelves left and right. And we're having the time of our lives. We go up to pay for it all, and it's less than 70 bucks by a long shot. And we got all kinds of good stuff. The rest of that night was like the biggest party in the world. Uh, The kids kept coming up to me and hugging me. Dad, you're the best dad. I love you so much. And uh, and we were just, and for some reason, we just were having the time of our lives. They were so happy. We were all in such a good mood. There was so much love. We were just, uh, and I I got thinking about that afterwards. I think, why was that such a special time, this trip to the goodwill? Okay, I I actually came up with three reasons, and I'll tie this all into where we're going here in a moment. But first of all, there was a sense of ease about it. You know, just, uh, we weren't expecting it. It came so easy, all of a sudden, I'm saying left, yes to stuff, left and right. Uh, it, there was just, uh, uh, it, didn't, it wasn't costing us a lot, so we could get more. There was an easiness to it. There was, second of all, a spontaneity to it. We weren't planning on going there, and yet uh, we went there, and all of a sudden, we're just finding good stuff, left and right. And thirdly, there was a freedom to receive, because like I said, I was in a generous mood all of a sudden when turf shoes cost seven bucks instead of 70. And, uh, and so there was a freedom to receive. You see, I think God invites us into a type of prayer that, give, that, uh, is, that is characterized by a sense of ease, a spontaneity, 
and a freedom to receive. When those characteristics are in place, then then what results is kind of like what I experienced with my kids. We just have a sense of God's love. We have a sense of uh, freedom and, and joy, and, and we're re-energized. We're put in a good mood, so to speak. You see, when, we ha- when we're able to spend time with God in prayer, there is an ease to it because he takes our burdens. There's a spontaneity to it because sometimes he leads and directs us in ways that we don't anticipate. And uh, he leads us to say things or to do things or to volunteer for a ministry that we might not have done on our own. There's a spontaneity to it. And then there's a freedom to receive because God is a generous God. God wants to give us more than what we can ask or imagine. Now, I know that God doesn't answer our prayers exactly how we would ask all the time. But I do believe that when we come before God in prayer, in humility and open ourselves up to him, it is his desire to uh, to give us good gifts. And we might not even always recognize his gifts as good in the moment. But he loves us so much that he longs for us just to spend time in his presence and to be refreshed by his spirit. Jesus said in Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. There's that same word that Jesus used in Mark 6. I will give you refreshment. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. There's that same sort of compassion. Same word used in Mark 6 for compassion. I am humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do you see the ease in these verses? Do you see the spontaneity? Do you see the freedom to receive in these verses? This is the type of refreshing prayer that God wants us to enter into. This is, in a sense, a type of relationship that God wants to have, uh, that He wants us to have with Him. That its defining practice is prayer. So what would refreshing prayer look like for you? For me, I've got my quiet, solitary place. I've got a blue recliner that sits in the corner of my office. It's probably like 30 years old. It's the first piece of furniture I, ha- I got when I moved to California. Because when I moved to California, I had nothing. And so a, 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 an older lady in the first church I served at, I recognized I had nothing but a folding chair and said, come over to my house, you can have my recliner. So I went over and I got that blue Lazy Boy recliner and now that's the chair I sit in all the time just to be with the Lord. Call it my prayer chair. And uh, I sit there and, uh, and oftentimes I open up the scriptures and I read some in the Bible and then I simply just try to be in the Lord's presence and Tell them about what's going on in my life. So I have a notebook there. Sometimes I'll journal or I'll write out my prayers. But it's a time for me just to simply be with the Lord. And oftentimes, as I do, I do have a sense of refreshment. There is a sense that the, the disorganization of, uh, in my life gets a, a little bit of clarity or guidance. There is a sense of being refilled I think God's word helps along those lines. Psalm 19.7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. 
So I, op- so I sit there with my Bible open, and this is my opportunity for refreshing prayer. As you probably know, I'm going to be uh, stepping away on sabbatical for the next couple months. And this is really to try to be a practice of what I'm preaching today. It's an opportunity for me to have refreshing prayer, to step away and to, and to spend some time with the Lord, that God can fill me up and guide me and direct me, that I can be used by Him in, uh, in different ways. So I'm planning on going on some long hikes in the, in the woods or in the, in, the, in the hiking trails around my house and, and just to spend time with God. See, we all need that. You need that in your life. You need those times, no matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert, all of us need that time of solitude and quiet to spend with God that we can then be filled up to come back together. And that's what we see here in this passage, that, uh, that their time alone gave them energy to, to come back together. Verse 34, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. If one defining practice in Jesus' life was to get alone and be with, uh, to be with his father in prayer, the defining characteristic of his ministry was that of compassion. We're told over and over again that he was moved with compassion to heal someone, to teach a group, to feed the hungry. He was over and over again moved to compassion. The word compassion here is a word that occurs over and over again in the life of Jesus. It's a Greek word that could uh, be most literally translated bowels or guts of a person. It refers to the things that are like the the innermost thing. Sometimes we even say, I feel it in my gut. That's the type of thing. It's the, it's the deepest part of who Jesus is. The Greek word, and I don't like to throw around Greek words that much because I'm probably, sometimes I uh, probably mispronounce them, but here I go. This one I like. Splagnazignomai. Doesn't that just sound like guts? Splagnazignomai. All right. It's an ancient way of referring to what was most deeply in his core. Jesus, at his core, was a person of compassion. And that is what gives us confidence to come before him in prayer. It's his desire to be compassionate towards us. It's his desire to fill us up. He's compassionate at his core. He's generous. He's loving. He's full of grace. And so we come before him in prayer, individually and as a church, calling upon the compassion of God to come and meet us where we're at, to fill us up, to refresh us. We trust in the character of Jesus. And so in conclusion, life together and life apart, in both our life together as a church and our life apart as individual Christians, we must pr- prioritize uh, prayer in our lives. Individually, you need to find a time and a place to get away and be with God. To have that quiet time, that solitary place on a regular basis. If we follow the pattern of Jesus, probably on a daily basis, where you can just be with your Father. 
listening to him, being refreshed by him. And then even moments through the day, just to, to, to draw upon the presence of God in your life. You see someone coming and, and approaching you and you can tell there's a hurt within them to say a quiet prayer, God, give me the words. Or as you, as you care for your kids or as you, uh, as you go about your daily business, finding those quiet moments to ask God to fill you up. And then as a church, life together, this is to be a house of prayer. Isn't that what Jesus reminded his people towards the end of his life when he went into the temple? This is, more than anything else, we are to be defined by being a people of prayer. I know Satan loves to take us off track. And I really do believe that if he were to keep us from any one activity, he'd keep us from the things that is most vital in our spiritual lives, and that's our prayer life. Satan loves to distract you. Satan would love to keep us as a church from praying to our, to our God and receiving his help. So we resist that temptation and we prioritize and we dig in our heels and say, God, give us strength to be people of prayer. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, uh, I just take a minute and I want to uh, give all of us space to be refreshed by you if that's what you have for us today. God, some of us come with really heavy burdens and, uh, and confusion and uh, discouragement, frustration, anxiety. And uh, God, I pray that before we close today, we, we could just have a moment to sit in a quiet place and to be in your presence and to be filled by you. And God, I pray that you would refresh our souls. I know that's your desire. You're a compassionate God. You long to draw near to us. And so God, I just, I just want to give us space to sit quietly in your presence for Father God, we thank you for your love. Thank you that it is your desire to walk closely with us every day, to draw close to us and fill us up in those quiet moments of solitude when we're able to spend time with you. And God, before I close this prayer, I, I also just want to lift up West Covina Christian Church and uh, help us to be a church of prayer. God, may we depend upon you. May we be led by you. God, may we be energized by you. That we would do the things that you would have us to do and nothing more. And that uh, you would help us. So God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As the worship team uh, prepares to lead us in our final song, I'll invite our prayer counselors to come forward. If you're here this morning and you'd love to have someone just pray with you before... Uh, the service is over. Uh, these prayer counselors would love that opportunity and it'd be a blessing for both them and for you. So let's uh, sing this final song together. Let's stand as we sing.